Hello everyone, welcome to our fifth episode of Peace Talks. Today we have a very interesting conversation with Scotty Schneider, he's part of Safety Wings, the first um, the first digital country, one of the first digital countries. So uh, we're gonna be talking with Scotty about a borderless world from his experience of being a digital nomad and also from his experience uh, in this amazing company and also from his background as a freedom fighter, as a libertarian. So I'm gonna wait for him to connect. He must be around here. Hello to everyone who's connecting right now and to those of you who are watching us um, on IGTV after we ended this live. If you have any question, please put them all on the question box and also feel free to reach out to us. gonna welcome Scotty today. Waiting for him to connect. All right. There Hola, we go. Scotty. How are you? I'm well. And Chewy, he's joining <laughs> and me for the podcast. <laughs> Wonderful. So nice to have you here. Scotty, welcome to Live and Let Live to our Peace Talks. Uh, just a bit of background on this uh, amazing IG series that we've created along Simone that she couldn't, she couldn't be here with us today. But we went on this space to promote the trial principle. That's the non-aggression principle and the aspirational values of Live and Let Live. And I think you're one of those persons that are uh, one of those people that really inspire um, action because you've taken action on your life. Uh, you're a libertarian, you're a freedom fighter, and you also uh, are involved in this amazing project called Safety Wings. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to the uh, liberty ideas, the freedom ideas. Sure. Uh, so I grew up in uh, sort of southeast the United States to a very conservative family on a farm, homeschooled, didn't get out much. And uh, of course, we came from a very conservative background. And I left around 17. I joined the Army. I went to West Point and became an officer in the U.S. Army. And it was then that I really started evaluating these things that I had been taught and seeing what I actually believed. And uh, I kind of had a bit of cognitive dissonance in terms of what the U.S. Army was doing at the time and like what the governmental politics were and what I believed as a person. Uh, that's around the time I started reading Ayn Rand and Atlas Shrugged and really started getting into that. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that took me into the corporate world, corporate America. I ended up getting medically retired because I got lost in Alaska, froze off a toe and a half or so. And, uh, yeah, went into co corporate oil field chemical sales. And that lasted until about 2015. I was super unhappy, not really just kind of looking for myself and looking what I wanted to do in the world. In 2015, I, I just sold everything and took off for Puerto Rico, and that took me to Medellin, Colombia, where I've been pretty much ever since, uh, building businesses and exploring the countries and also looking for what I, what I want to do. And uh, about, let's see, about this time last year, I started really evaluating what that looked like. And I'd known a safety wing because a friend of mine had worked in the company before. And I finally was able to match my passion for helping people uh, be more free and doing good in the world and also my passion to survive. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's the 30-second view. That's wonderful. Uh, I, I love this kind of stories be uh, and always to listen from them, from libertarians and live and let livers, because uh, I feel that most of us have found the ideas of liberty because uh, 
because of our own set of values, you know, because we wanted something else, something more. And we, were, we weren't happy, like, we didn't conform to the things, uh, to the norm. And I feel that's your case, especially because you were, because you were in the army and everything. So I, I bet that could have been easy, especially if you were reading and run ideas. <laughs> we're very business oriented. We're very like taking a stand and, you know, uh, all of this. So tell us a little bit also about your background uh, being on a, a digital nomad because you're from the US, but you've been traveling a lot. Um, also, do you consider yourself a full-time digital nomad? And what does this imply for your libertarian way of life? For sure. No, that's, that's a great question. Um, so yes, I do consider myself a digital nomad. I sort of consider myself a digital slomad in the sense that <laughs> I basically arrived to Medellin and I would stay there for a year or two at a time and I'd go somewhere else for a year or two and then I'd come back. Uh, and one of the most powerful things, one of the main reasons why I knew I needed to get involved in Safety Wing and one of the things I got most passionate about was as a digital nomad, I noticed a gigantic disparity in terms of what I could do as an American citizen and what my friends, compatriots, coworkers could do, uh, you know, being not from the U.S. Just something as simple as traveling to the U.S. without a visa is impossible for your average Colombian. And living here full time with those people, it really actually made me kind of angry, right, that, that, that countries would judge people based on where they were born and not who they are as people. And uh, yeah, that's I'm sure we'll get into it later, but that's the essential bit behind safe doing is is making a world where, that's more equal and more fair and where people have more mobility uh, and freer association. That's wonderful. So let's let's get right into topic. <laughs> According to Safety Wing's uh, website, uh, internal internal portal is it says Safety Wing is your home country on the internet. Um, Safety Wing has managed to remove the role of geographical borders as a barrier to equal opportunities and freedom for everyone. And when I first met you in Medellin and, and you told me about Safety Wings, I was like, wow, what is this? This sounds amazing because this is the way to, to approach, to eliminate, um, to actually eliminate barriers. And you know that my personal point of view is that we need to, more of these type of projects and alternatives to governments instead of um, pursuing the maybe voting or the political agenda. So what was your first, what's yes. Safety Wings and what was your first approach with it? Yeah, so uh, interestingly enough, I remember the interview process itself was actually quite long. It was like over a month, month and a half for me, I think. And every interview I'd have uh, with a different person, I talked to all the founders, there are three founders. So interestingly, Safety Wing comes from very non-libertarian country of origin. Uh, it comes from Norway, like the founders are Norwegian. And Norway has like, I think a 50% tax rate and they basically take care of everything, you know, so their mm -hmm. citizens are, are very happy, um, but huge tax rate, which kind of is not a libertarian mm -hmm. ideal, you know what I mean? But the founders said, well, what if things were different? And what if we created the infrastructure and social safety net that we have in Norway, but make it opt-in? What if we run it as a business? Like that's safety wing at its core. The vision is health, retirement, and income protection available to everyone everywhere. And the end all goal of that is creating an actual country online that has passports and everything, right? So let's just say Colombian, they're in this country that we're calling Plumia. They've got a passport and then that would ideally be directly into the States. You don't need a visa, that sort of thing. 
so yeah, that was my first interaction actually was back in 2015. I was sitting in Cafe Velvet in Medellin, and I just arrived like the day before. And like, hmm, I'm not, su I'm not super happy with this Airbnb I got because I was staying over in like Conquistadores, I think. And I'm sitting down, and there are these Estonians that are talking about the fact they've got a room to rent. And so I ended up living with three Estonians. I said, hey, I, I could use a room, uh, one of whom was Enelin Pass, who was, on, I think, the director of business development at that time. And I became good friends with, with Enelin, uh, lived with her and her team for like six months, and I just followed the track uh, of Safety Wing. And originally I thought it was just because they were doing health or they were doing travel insurance at the time, and I just sort of viewed them as a travel insurance company. And it wasn't until I started looking into them more deeply uh, last year that I realized, okay, whoa, it's actually bigger than this. And this is something that I could not only get behind but be passionate about. And in a weird way, it's now become my life's goal. Like my purpose is to make sure that this company launches, uh, this country launches online, which is pretty neat. But uh, what implies to be like to have a digital country to remove the geographical barriers and to speak of a digital country because as you were saying, Safety Wings first uh, just had the nomad insurance for people who travels, uh, but you're also talking about remote health, remote doctor, and remote pension system. So that could give us the choice, especially not only the chance but the choice to say, hey, I don't want to put my money on a Uh, on a on a local uh, uh, pensions funds, or to have my money run by the government for my pension, and that actually gives back a lot, a lot, a lot of power to to people. So, what's the approach? One hundred Yeah, no, that's that's it. If you think about it, like, what is a country? Uh, you know, it's a it's an infrastructure. It's a set of services in in one sense. Uh, don't don't land base me on the on the definition here. This is one way <laughs> of viewing it. Right? I, I, I okay, love so that. Let's call that the libertarian definition of a country, a set of services. Yeah. yeah let's, the business let's, you know, Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So from a business perspective, it's a set of infrastructures. And, and ideally, a country wants to take care of its citizens. You know, it, you want to make sure that your citizens are, are fed and clothed and they're going to be taken care of if they, if they go to the hospital and uh, they'll be taken care of when they're old. Uh, you know, because uh, Ayn, Ayn Rand probably wouldn't agree with me, but, you know, there is some sort of I think infrastructure that needs to be mm -hmm. uh, there, right? And so in a lot of countries, even the states, right, which is considered a first world country, the money that I'm paying forcibly into social security is not going to be there when I need it. And likewise, your pension in Colombia is probably not going to be there when you need it. Uh, and these, these sort of services are given to us, but they're not opt out. Like it is a really difficult and tricky process to opt out of a country uh, and Yeah, I think it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, that answer so, your so question. Perfectly. So, how does that? Uh, how does it work? Like, how can people access to it? You need to be from a certain nationality. How does all this come to play? Ideally, nationality and where you were born and where you're living wouldn't factor into it. Uh, ideally, it would be a service available to all. Like again, that is our vision. You know, health, health, retirement, and income protection available to everybody everywhere, and that means it doesn't matter where you were born. Uh, judging people on the content of their character and not necessarily where they were born, I guess, is kind of a, uh, is kind of a, a critical key thing to us. And how we're doing it is we're building a, a company to build the country, and the company has a series of services that are building up the infrastructure of a country. So we started with uh, travel insurance, and now we're doing health insurance, which is my product. And so this is like health insurance that works everywhere in the world, Uh, well, obviously, not in, you know, not if you're living in North Korea. Don't live there. 
Um, but with few exceptions, it works everywhere in the world. And the next that we'll be launching will be remote retirement. We've got a remote doctor product coming out. And so we're, we're bu building the building blocks of the company country infrastructure um, real time. And uh, yeah, so far we 10xed this since last year, we 10xed our, our remote healthcare product, which is super fantastic. That's yeah, amazing. Are you finding any pushback from certain places or certain people or organizations regarding having this type of initiative? Because um, I, I guess like, like blockchain and Bitcoin, uh, this uh, probably many governmental institutions might take this as a threat. Um, yeah. This is an interesting, this is an interesting thing, right? And it's a blessing and a curse. And so we're sort of the organizations, the, I don't know, the, the fictions that we're pushing through, uh, countries on one side and sort of in my product, particularly uh, the health insurance industry, both of which uh, move very slowly and are very risk averse and, and don't change very, very quickly. So that's the good thing. That's the, that's the opportunity. Uh, the interesting thing is that people are starting to wake up. If you just look at the proliferation, I said that right. Yeah, the pro proliferation of proliferation. digital <laughs> proliferation. I got it. <laughs> if you look at the expansion of digital nomad visas across the world, Estonia's got them, mm -hmm. Colombia's launching theirs in November. I think they're probably a good 15 or 20. Uh, so these are countries that are waking up and saying, okay, there's this whole class of mobile people that are typically making pretty decent income. And our visa, our current visa structure has no way of dealing with these people. Like, what do we do? Uh, I think that that's, that is the opportunity for safety wing. Because the problem and why people typically, I think, uh, why governments typically put visas in place is because if you let a lot of people in, it stresses the infrastructure. But if you have people that are already covered with an existing infrastructure that moves with them, like safety wing, then the it's basically pure economic value into a, into a country, right? I come in as a digital nomad, I make uh, a decent wage and I'm covered with health and travel insurance. So I'm not stressing the local infrastructure. If I go to the hospital, the hospital is gonna get paid and it's not coming from the taxpayer. So yeah, I think that governments are gonna quickly wake up to this idea because they're already starting that. They're already offering saying, hey, if you're a digital nomad, I come here and yeah, like you won't pay taxes. And in many cases, they're offering incentives. So I think that this is just the next step. I like that you have a very optimistic view of governments waking up to this reality, because at the end of the day, it's not governments as if they were robots or if they were like Agent Smith on the Matrix, you know, they're real human beings yeah. that, I, that I guess are, are just seeing you know, like the incentives are someplace else other than the that's system it. that we've been sold to. That's exactly it. And that's why I think I'm more optimistic. Uh, because if it's one thing that I'm convinced of, it's that governments will move relatively quickly when there's money at, at stake. And there's a lot of money at stake here. If you think of like, again, this entire class of people that is currently unserved, and that's, that is our target market at the end of the day, because it, it, me as a digital nomad, uh, especially as a digital slow mad, right? I can, I can have travel insurance and most travel insurance policies are gonna cover you up to three months, but what if I stay four months in Medellin? Mm -hmm. What if I stay four to, to 12 months in Medellin? I'm not really easily covered by a visa that currently exists in Colombia. I can't get a cedula, I can't get local health insurance, or it's very difficult to, if, you know, if impossible, right? So I'm sort of in this, this gray zone. What happens to me? Uh, and I think that that's what governments are waking up to. Uh, there's a lot of money out there that's not being captured. 
And so that's why I think they're going to respond quicker than they normally do to anything else. That's wonderful. But you feel that looking long term and this will be, I'm, I'm very optimistic as you, by the way, I have a very positive view on the future of the world in general, especially because of projects like this and because of people like you as well. Um, but do you think that maybe there could be a threat um, and having a bit of a more pessimistic view um, that it could be like a external institution, like let's call it like the United Nations or like the World Bank or something like this that tries to take over uh, these type of projects and that try to control things more globally, given that we're erasing uh, borders? Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be interesting. I don't I can't say that I'm very well uh, qualified to answer this, but just sort of my gut feel is that, yeah, that it's going to be similar in terms of like the whole the whole Bitcoin thing with the government. You know, the government wants to be able to control the flow of money uh, and kind of wants to get their their bit. And so that will be interesting. Uh, I think not speaking for safe doing here, just speaking for Scotty, like in the creation of this country, there may be something like, hey, uh, you give our citizens, Plumia citizens, like, you know, a, a visa. You you allow us to enter immediately and we will share taxes with you. I don't know. Not taxes in the sense of like, if you're a member of Plumia, you'll probably be paying into the set of infrastructure, right? So you're covered, right? And maybe part of that we, we give to the countries. And so that would eliminate sort of the possible issue there. But yeah, there are a lot of those those issues. Like uh, to my knowledge, there is no other country online. This is the first time that this has been done before. So yeah, there's a whole team working on that uh, for sure that are certainly tackling those issues. Yeah, and here we have Karen and Adrian sending us uh, bird emojis. I guess to relate to safety wings. So that's that's. You'll really have to lovely. have. Uh, you're gonna have to have Adrian on at uh, one of your future. Uh, podcasts. He's an amazing person, a good friend of mine, our head of culture at Safety Wing, and uh, uh, originally Peruvian, currently living in Colombia, and uh, a nomad himself. So, really, really, really cool cat. <laughs> Bunch of hearts. Thank you so much for being here. And I think that 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 bird, like the whole thing of of your brand, of the brand of Safety Wings with the wings and this top, because I see all of your pictures and you're all birds. Um, and that's and that's very uh, that's wonderful. That's very like I'll, I'll I'll dare to say loving and very peaceful as well. You know, like they'll put it like he put a like this pigeon, and and this sense that we see we saw in the past, like in Russia or Germany, even now in Venezuela, people are voting where they where with their feet, but because they're forced to leave their countries. Uh, and they're forced to live in very bad conditions. Uh, what I like about digital nomads is that we're starting to wake up to this new reality and we're starting to vote with our feet on different ways that don't imply that we leave our country because uh, there's violence, but because we're still trying to look for new, for new ways and for new alternatives. So I do feel that these type of initiatives uh, help people vote with their feet uh, before things get uh, out of hand. What's your take on that? No, that was you know, not to not to harp on Adrian, but that was Adrian's experience. You know, he he left mm -hmm. his country of Peru because the the government tends to be or is trending in a very negative direction. There are a lot of people that that don't have that mobility, and I I feel for them. You know, I want to change that for them as much as possible. Part of it is this shift towards, 
you know, in the developed world, we tend to have this knowledge that, yeah, most jobs can be done remotely. Uh, and so I could work online. And, and once you learn that you can work from your home, it doesn't really matter if you're working from your home in the U.S. or in Colombia, you can sort of leave. And so you have, you know, you can vote with your feet, but also vote with your pocketbook in the sense that you can just go. A lot of people don't have that. And so I think that part of building this country online is also spreading the message that it's possible to do that and then providing for the people once they have that. Right? Part of the reason why remote work, especially like international, like digital nomad kind of ish stuff isn't more prevalent, I think, is because, again, there's this gray zone where people like me that wanted to stay in a particular place for a certain amount of time without traveling, but actually staying and getting to know it. I wasn't covered by any existing infrastructure. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to see. Like I was, I, I came back from a motorcycle trip to, uh, from Bogota a couple days ago, last night actually. And I was passing a lot of Venezuelans on the road, uh, you know, the, the migration which has mm -hmm. been taking place for probably two or three years. Yeah. Them. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And these people, like you just see like the, uh, the desperation, the lack of hope in their face. And it makes me very emotional to, to feel that those, like those people exist and we don't see that unless we get out of um, our comfort zone. Mm. every once in a while and that's part of the passion behind building this country and you know and providing services to people like there's that's one of the things i'm very grateful to our, our founders for uh they really really care and like actually uh sarah one of our founders our first interview was focused mostly on ayn rand uh, <laughs> she was very strongly influenced by ayn rand herself uh, as a kid and it's this it's this weird it's this weird balance that they have of like, you notice like, okay, the birds, we've got the birds and we've got the, you know, the, the plumia, we've got these, these great graphics. They care so much about this because it's such a real need. It's not a company for them. It's like a, it's a mission. And that's what drives all of us. One thing that our founder said, so I'm kind of an obsessive nerd. And for the month, month and a half that I was researching the company and going through the interview process, I read and watched everything that Sandra had to say about, safety wing. And one of the things that he said that really stuck out with me, he said, when we hire, we look for people that share our mission and values. Because if you do that, you don't have to manage them because they're already on the same team. Mm -hmm. And so when I got on, when I got on with Sandra, I said, Sandra, I don't care if you say no to me for this role, I will immediately apply to the next one because I have to be a part of this country. I have to be a part of this company. I have to do it. You have to let me in, please. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I feel really passionate about it, and I think that everybody else on the team does as well, and that makes us uh, a powerful force. I really, I really resonate with what you're saying, especially with the value and the culture of, of a company. Um, especially being libertarians, uh, we have certain set of, of values, and especially in live and that live, where we live by the aspirational values and the non-aggression principle. And in my experience, and as you're saying, uh, to create good relationships and to advance and in order to make business, in order to trust, in order to grow, uh, you have to, you have to build trust and you trust someone that, that you resonate with that is the same as you. They say, Oh, this person has my, uh, the same values that I have. So the rest is much easier. You know, you're not, you're not crashing into a culture that I feel sometimes as digital nomads again, and as libertarians, sometimes we have a hard time um, in certain companies and in certain yeah. roles because we feel that we're lonely and that people don't understand us, that we're the odd one out. And actually it's because we're not, we didn't have enough confidence to speak up and to stand up. The, the moment I started to 
speak up about liberty and to standing up for, for what I believe in and being true to my values, being true to myself. I started to find more people like you uh, and especially in Live and Let Live um, because that's, that, that's the way to go. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it, I found it, it took me years to reconcile my libertarian ideas with my desire to make money and to, to build businesses. Uh, especially when it came to like, so I'm, I'm very socially liberal. I, I, I think that people should be allowed to do whatever they, the hell they want to do as long as they're not taking anyone else's freedom away to do the same. Uh, non-aggression, uh, another way yeah, to put but, the non-aggression yeah, principle. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and also, you know, so, but I, I couldn't really figure out, okay, what does that mean in relation to, I, I want people to be taken care of, you know, like again, to, to more or less quote Ayn Rand, like, yeah, I want to be free to give my money to whoever, uh, you know, I think uh, it's useful for, uh, but I don't want it to be taken from me. And so I, I didn't see any other way to provide for people in an infrastructure country way that was free association and non-aggression until safety wing. And when it hit me, oh, man, it hit me. <laughs> like, like <laughs> it's. I just, I'm continually grateful, honestly, to Sarah, Sandra, and Hans, our, our, our founders, that like said, hmm, what if we thought about this differently? What if we made a country but online? And what if we made it available for people to come in and out of? Mm-hmm. Like, that. <laughs> <laughs> Blows your mind. Blows your mind. Yeah. And that, that, and that, libertarian in action. Libertarianism, mm-hmm. in a sense, in action. Libertarianism in action. Yeah, definitely. And now more than ever, we have the tools because... I don't know, 10, 20, 50 years ago, uh, for example, Anran or Hayek or Mises or all of these guys um, couldn't have been able to create this uh, because technology wasn't sufficient enough to do so. And I think that's also an opportunity that our generation has now more than ever. And that it's important to push also, to push from that, let's call it, because we were talking about this on a previous episode, the cancel, the cancel culture, and oh, yeah. I suggested, okay, this is a, maybe this is a free market um, idea, like the cancel culture. You could push so much over social media, like the social pressure. Um, but what's, what's your take on this from a, from a, a, a free country? Because you guys are the first really free country, uh, digital at least. Yeah, no, I, I love the, it's very interesting for me to see the, the, um, the evolution, shall we say, of the cancel culture. Have you watched the latest Dave Chappelle special? It's <laughs> yeah, really we were excellent. talking about that. Yeah. yeah, like it's really excellent. I, I, I'm starting to see a shift change. So Scott Adams, uh, the creator of Dilbert, one of my favorite bloggers, uh, he said there's really no such thing as like a slippery slope because there's always a countervailing force that sort of starts to pop up once things get a little bit too far. And I think that's kind of happening with with cancel culture, we're losing this ability to disagree. We're losing the ability to listen to other perspectives and we're losing the ability to understand that uh, it doesn't require a complete comprehension to have compassion for people. Uh, so yeah, I'm not sure if I have an answer for how that factors into the online country outside of, if it's one thing I know Sandra and the founders to be, it's very even keeled and open-minded. So I guess maybe that's an answer. <laughs> And I guess we will, from live and let live, uh, we also defend, like, yeah. not, not defend, but that's one of our core values, uh, open-minded, op- being open-minded, open-mindedness. <laughs> uh, so uh, what's your take again on, 
uh, this type of projects like safety wings, uh, like safety wing, in order to promote uh, freedom and peace globally, especially peace. How does this build a more peaceful world? So, uh, well, interestingly, right? Uh, I think part of the reason why people don't invade other countries anymore is because it's it's becoming increasingly more like declining marginal utility when it comes to like invading because you don't really capture anything. It's all bits and bytes, and it's it's all digital. Right. So if you think about it, like you can't evade safety wing. We don't even have territory. Like we, I think eventually we'll build it. We'll we'll buy a castle somewhere in Poland. So I guess it would be theoretically possible to invade at one point in time. But uh, yeah, it built a safe it built a safer world because like if you think about like countries are fictions anyway, right? Uh, Yuval Harari, you know Yuval Harari for example, like uh, Homadeus and and all that jazz. Uh, but yeah, like safety wing is even more of a fiction than your normal country. Because it's it's literally just kind of like more of an idea and more of a set of services as opposed to physical land, uh, so I think that makes it safer. I, I wouldn't expect us to be invaded anytime soon. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah, and, and um, what you're saying, like um, that the main because people will say, oh, but where's the army? Uh, who's going to defend us if someone comes to invade? And I think that's that's not the core conversation anymore. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, though. I've definitely petitioned Sandra. If we do ever create an army, I want to be a leader of it. <laughs> <laughs> but why would a digital country, a libertarian, a libertarian country need, a, yeah. need an army? I think it would just be a bunch of people hacking away furiously at, at keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, new, the new wars will be digital, of course, and not, and not physical. And I think we're Indeed. already, we're right now seeing that. We're seeing that already. Yeah, the brains equals the army, totally. And that's exactly, we were discussing this uh, with a few libertarians back in DC this weekend. And I, were t I was telling them, it's no, the, the fight is no longer the right or the left. It's the individuals against, um, against central power, against uh, central governments. And yes. as Marx says, our founder, he says the reasonable people of the world need to get together uh, to take a stand. And that stand means no more central control, no more uh, debt, no more you guys ex uh, spending and ag uh, taking aggression on individuals. Yeah, that's, that's uh, I think, a really important point that we're, we're really working on, like the creation of a country. Like, okay, so right now uh, there is more central control because it is like it's difficult to enter countries without visas. It's difficult to leave countries in some some circumstances. Um, I think just from like just from the point of view of a Colombian not being able to enter the U.S. unless they have a visa, and this is often a long mm. process uh, that puts you at a disadvantage. Uh, a long painful process because yeah, they it's go a long through... painful and expensive yeah, process. Expensive like, process, yeah. Often you just you'll you'll pay all that money and go through that process and then say you get told no. Um, yeah, you can speak to this much, much better than I can. I just have sort of tertiary experience with it. But yeah, the idea of like eliminating, it is a geographical barrier to success, like in, in every sense of the word. Uh, even if you just go into the mentality of it, like, oh, I as a Colombian can't enter this place because of where I was born. What nonsense is that, mm -hmm. right? So empowering people to have a Plumia passport and say, hey, you know, I'm going to go to the U.S. if I want or anywhere else for that matter. Um that's a powerful thing, just from just from the mental standpoint, just from the, from the mentality of it. Not to mention that uh, allowing people geographical mobility means that in a perfect world, like if everyone has full mobility, if Peru gets bad, well, okay, fine, I'm leaving Peru, you know, goodbye. 
if, if Columbia gets bad, okay, well, I'll go over here. And I think that uh, Ayn Rand would have loved to think, and libertarians, I think, love to think of this idea, um, okay, well, if it's bad, then I'll just go. And that currently isn't an option for everyone. And so making it more of an option, meaning if I go, I'm not going to lose my access to hospitals. I'm not going to lose my pension. I'm not going to lose uh, my doctor services. I'm not going to lose my health care. That is a tremendously valuable thing. Like Adrian moved with his family. You know, I'm single. It's easy for me to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. I'll go somewhere. But if you have a family, it's different. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, it's important. I also think it's important to point out to all of those watching this video that, um, of course, Connie and I come from a digital nomad background, um, but that doesn't mean that you cannot be part of a digital country if you if you decide to stay your whole life in, in the same place or to have a proper home base to say, hey, I'm going to live in San Francisco or I'm going to live in Bogota. Um, I'm going to raise my family here. I'm going to have my kids here. Um, I'm going to build a life. That doesn't mean that you have to, uh, that you cannot access uh, things like safety wing. Well, yeah, what, exactly. what advice would you give people there? No, 100%. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, it's, a, it's, an excellent, uh, it's an excellent hedging of one's bets, you know? Like, sure, your country might be great now, <laughs> but what about in 10 years, you know? Join us, dare I say you're free to associate. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that I, I, would, I would consider that strongly, uh, even if I were planning on remaining in the U.S. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's important just to think that Things can quickly change, right? If you look at it, if you think about it, Venezuela was the most prosperous country in Latin America 25, 30 years ago, like one generation ago, right? Mm -hmm. They were the top, and it changed. One generation changed to where poverty is rampant. Uh, the entire country has essentially collapsed. Uh, it's horrific to see, but also an excellent warning that your country might be safe now, but it might not be, uh, you know, for your kids. So... Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult thing. Like, I, you know, like, uh, there's always a risk that whatever you're associating with, whatever organization you're associating with, um, may eventually not be benevolent anymore. But mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to work towards uh, making safety wing as best as I possibly can. And the fact that we have so many free thinkers and amazing individuals inside of it gives me hope for the future. Definitely. Hope for the future. That's very refreshing, actually. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Scotty, also what advice will you give to uh, live and let livers watching us right now that may want to take on the digital nomad or digital nomads that are watching uh, this video right now that might want to explore more uh, ideas like live and let live and uh, pro-freedom ideas? Well, definitely follow you and, and live and let live. Definitely follow nomad cities. Maybe the most salient advice I would give from my perspective is check everything against your own your own experience and thoughts, uh, especially if you're talking about taking advice from me. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'd say that. I, I'd probably I'd probably end it there as far as advice goes. Um, yeah, I mean, one thing that I've always encouraged my, uh, my friends to do is separate what they do from where they live. Uh, you know, work, work remote and, and work towards that and the development of, of skill sets uh, and follow Scott Adams' concept of skill stacking meaning it's very hard to be the, the top in the world at any one thing, right? To become the top basketball player in the world is very difficult. Become the top programmer and so on. But if you sort of mix multiple things, like I'm a above-average programmer and above-average basketball player and above-average scuba diver and all these sort of things, then you become a very valuable person in a very narrow uh, a narrow set of, of um, 
sort of situations. Anyway, yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, Scotty, so uh, if anyone watching us has any questions, please leave it on the box uh, for Scotty to answer them. But if you're watching this on IGTV, please also send us your questions or leave, in, or leave them on the, on the comments. Scotty, um, recommendations of books or podcasts for people to learn more about this type of initiatives and how they um, propel peace in the world. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Nomad Cities is our official Instagram for safe doing. Uh, Plumia, P-L-U-M-I-A, is the name of the, com the country that we're building online. And uh, yeah, follow those two things. Keep up with, keep up with us. And uh, we're really excited to be bringing this to the world, and it's going to require input from a lot of great people. Uh, we're hiring as a, as a company as well, so if you're interested in joining us, we have a careers page. Uh, also, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to, uh, love to talk with anyone and everyone about what we're doing here at Safe Doing, the country that we're building, and how that fits in with, with libertarianism and my personal ideas. Um, yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm an open book, and it's, I'm passionate about sharing this. I want to get the world out. Also, building remotely. Thank you, Karen. Uh, Karen is one of our awesome, awesome team members as well. So, yeah, building remotely is a, is a resource that we're building uh, for people interested in remote work and also com uh, companies that are, are going remote as well, since it's happening uh, more and more these days with, with COVID. Thank you so much, Cody. And at the end of the day, um, this, this is the way to change the world. This is the way to, to get together and to, to build, to build that peaceful world, that uh, free world that we all long for, and to find perspectives, to find other uh, options, and especially take action. And I think you're a very uh, good representation of a live and let liver um, that is taking action. For, to build the world that we want. So if you're at home watching this um, and you want to do something about the state of, of your community, of your city, of the world, and you're tired of the same old political agendas, if you're tired of the same old, same old, and um, join Live and Let Live, uh, you can start a chapter, you can join a chapter in your city, so please reach out. This is uh, the way to change the world again taking action so it's about time and if you resonated with everything that we that we share here today please reach out we'll be here to answer all of your questions and to guide you through and of course to to build a much uh, peaceful world but that's chewy as well <laughs> this is chewy my my constant my companion Wait, sorry, we, we couldn't miss Chewy being here. Like he's a digital nomad libertarian dog. He should have his own his own social media as well. His own blog. That dog is. He's he's working on it. Although it's 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 very difficult for him to type. <laughs> All right. So one last time, you can follow uh, Nomad Cities and Plumia on social media, and us at Live and Let Live Movement. Please visit uh, our website. All our resources. And Scotty, again, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. It was a real pleasure. Thanks for everything that you're doing. And uh, it was a real honor as well. Okay. See you on the next episode of yes, Peace Talks. Ciao. Ciao.